AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA, broadcasting again today from the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City. One of the great things here, not only do we get to see our fellow farm broadcasters, but so many people from throughout agriculture and many of the people that you hear right here on AOA on a pretty regular basis, I get to have them on in person, face-to-face, instead of uh, by the phone. And that's going to be the case again today. We'll be talking with Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council, Jeff Cooper with the Renewable Fuels Association, and Don Close, Senior Animal Protein Analyst with Robo AgriFinance. They will all be joining us on the program today. But we are starting things off with another familiar voice, Will Stafford. He is the Washington representative for... CHS. Will, good to see you face to face. I know. It's great to be here and nice not to just be talking on the phone for once. And you get a little break from Washington, D.C. It's always great to get out (laughs) of Washington, D.C. and back into the country. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the issues we've been following. Uh, The infrastructure bill, which is now passed. And I've been saying now that you have to really watch because it's one thing to sign a bill. It's another thing to make sure those projects get funded, that money gets out to where we hope it's going to go for hard infrastructure improvement. But that's a process that can take some time, isn't it? Absolutely, especially with these Army Corps of Engineer projects. Um, It takes a while for those to be implemented, to be paid for. Uh, There's still an appropriations angle that for the next couple years they'll have to go through in Congress too, which can always have its speed bumps. But we were very happy to see that passed. We were happy to see uh, see it passed with good funding for, for waterways, for locks and dams, um, and, uh, and a lot of good things that we think will help out the trucking industry as well. So there is that process, you, as you said, and it could take, it's going to take months and in some cases years, right? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, especially for some of those Army Corps projects, um, some of those locks and dams improvements, um, there are environmental studies that have to take place. Uh, Again, different funding mechanisms that have to happen. It it can absolutely take months or in many cases years to finish some of those. So now I know, of course, there, there are those that are pushing for the Build Back Better bill. We'll talk about that in a moment. But really what's looming is this debt limit the debt ceiling, right? That's going to have to be addressed here soon. Yep. Uh, Congress, like they often do, uh, punted that towards the end of the year. Um, You know, I still think that they will come together and and find a way to address it. Um, But as always, uh, you know, there's the potential of of an end of the year government shutdown or another debt fight. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. Now, the Build Back Better plan, if you will, soft infrastructure, human infrastructure, whatever you want to call it, huge price tag, but we don't even really know the price tag because we don't know exactly what would be in that bill, right? That's correct. It it seems to be changing every week or so um, as Democrats try to figure out how to thread the needle in their own party uh, to keep the further left progressives in the House and the moderates in the Senate um, both on the same page. Uh, Right now, it doesn't seem like they have those votes in place. Um, The Senate leader, um, Chuck Schumer, has said that he's hoping for a vote in December. Um, So we'll see if they can come to an agreement by then. But right now, it still seems like they have a tough road ahead of them. I'm old enough to remember when they actually wrote a bill, sent it to CBO, had it scored, and then you debated it some more and kind of went from there. seems like we've skipped some of those steps now. Yeah, and and, um, there are still some members, especially in the Senate, that uh, want to see that CBO score first. So last time I heard they were waiting on it, but I think it might come out this week, and um, uh, we'll see how it it stacks up, whether it makes the Democrats happy or not. Because, as you said, even some of... especially some of the moderate Democrats, and especially if you're running for re-election, they ha- this is a hard decision for them. Their party may be pushing in one direction, but they have to look what folks are saying back home. At the end of the day, every member of Congress has to answer to their own constituents, for sure. So we'll see how, we'll see how that plays out. Meanwhile, do uh, you see anything else getting done in Congress uh, this year? Uh, Yeah, they will still have to pass a few things um, by the end of the year. In addition to those debt limit conversations that we already had, I know they are looking at a defense reauthorization um, that hopefully uh, both sides can still come together together to work on. Usually at the end of the year, you do see a slate of um, 
presidential nominees confirmed to their positions. And often you see groups of bills that have just been kind of held up in the process move all at once before they go home for the, uh, for the holiday break. We're hoping that in that process they can also pass Growing Climate Solutions Act that has passed the Senate already by a vote of 92 to 8 um, and is right now hung up in the House Agriculture Committee. That's one bill that we would really love to see passed by the end of the year. Did anything come out of that climate conference in Scotland, do you think, that will impact directly agriculture as far as we're going to see, okay, because we know USDA is going to be pushing some different climate-type ag programs. Anything in particular you think we might see out of that? You know, it's hard to tell right now, but I think it was important to note that agriculture was a large topic of conversation at COP26. Um, the Biden administration also made it clear it was a priority for them to talk about it. They had Secretary Vilsack go over there. They had other people from USDA go over there. Um, I know Secretary Vilsack had a lot of conversations with our, um, our allies in the EU about ways that the U.S. and the EU can come together to work on sustainability programs. Um, but a lot of the details, I think, are going to remain to be seen. We're short on a lot of details and a lot of things, <laughs> aren't we? Yeah, it's always a waiting game. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. of course, the big question is, will these programs be voluntary? What, do you, what are you hearing? Well, that I will say that is a priority for CHS, to make sure that those are voluntary for producers. Um, not only do we want to make sure they're voluntary, but we want to make sure that they're equitable over different regions and different crops. Um, and we want to make sure that early adopters of these practices who have already done some of them aren't punished for being an early adapter, that they can still reap some of the benefits um, that folks that are just picking it up have. But the main one, to your point, is that it remains voluntary. So much we still hear about carbon credits and carbon banking and carbon markets. But again, we haven't seen a lot of details. Now, we know some agribusinesses are kind of going on their own and, and having some programs and things like that. Um, do you think we'll see more of a push for that in 2022? I think we might. I think we might. And um, I think that to go back to the Growing Climate Solutions Act, um, one of the things that we're excited about that bill is that we think it enhances uh, some of those private markets. We really think it might support some of those private markets, make it easier for farmers and ranchers to get involved with those, um, as well as bring USDA to kind of uh, – standardize some of the things that need to be done, like a certification verification process mm -hmm. for carbon capture. Um, but I certainly think that it seems like the direction that the industry is going is some of those, is more and more of those private markets. That'll be a big story in 2022, as will the supply chain, right? Absolutely. I think everyone is going to keep watching the supply chain, um, especially uh, as we move into the holiday season and, and people are having stuff shipped. I think it's going to be more and more on the forefront of um, everyday Americans' minds um, and, uh, and what it means uh, for price tags at places like the grocery store. I think it's a conversation that isn't going to go away anytime too soon. Yeah, and it's, uh, you're right. We at early on, some had said it won't last long. It's already lasted longer than we thought, and it sounds like, looks like it's going to last a while longer. Well, good to see you, Will. Thanks you a too. lot. All right. Thank you, sir. CHS Washington Representative Will Stafford joining us here in Kansas City. Up next, we'll talk with Nick Giordano, Vice President, Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Seed corn companies love to talk about characteristics, maturity, emergence, vigor. Those things are important, but at FS Envision, we've developed corn with some extra characteristics, like attitude, like a fighter's will to win, like the spirit to persevere, because in the end, those are the traits that get it done. Get Envision in the fight for you. Talk to your local FS crop specialist today. FS Envision. Never settle. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. 
Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. DTN and Progressive Farmer bring producers the best content in agriculture. Each day our editors post unique content to our website, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. DTN and Progressive Farmer provide insights throughout the year to questions like, what is the outlook for corn yields in 2021? Will feed prices surge? What about land prices? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? For more intelligence like this, visit DTNPF.com. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it, or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're back here in Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. Good to have with us right now Nick Giordano, Vice President, Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Nick, good to see you again. Uh, Got a lot of issues to talk about and some positive things happening, some challenges that are out there. I guess one of the challenges that all the economy is facing, and when we look in particular here in ag trade and pork trade, uh, and the pork industry. The labor issue is just a huge issue for you right now, isn't it? Well, it sure is, and it has been for quite a few years. And um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to get resolved anytime soon, notwithstanding our efforts. We've been all over Capitol Hill talking to the last administration, this administration, and it's tough sledding. Um, we're not going to give up because it's so important to um, our stakeholders. You know, we. We have a shortage of labor both on farm and in our plants, and that's a constraint. You've heard a lot of talk about um, capacity constraints. Mm-hmm. Well, labor is part of the reason. Um, you know, and line speeds is just a, a, a big victory for us, so thank goodness that'll help with capacity. But you're absolutely right. Labor is an important issue we spend a lot of time on. At a time when demand is very, very good, um, one of the challenges, though, is moving the product to those uh, to those customers, right, around the world. Well, that's been challenging, and uh, we, we, it's well known that we've got um, problems at the ports. Um, but notwithstanding that, our exports have been very, very good, very good. and uh, that's just so important. And uh, uh, even though we're down significantly in China this year. Um, we're up. We're, we're up close to 10% in value. Uh, we're up not quite as much in volume, but we're up in volume. So, you know, given the pandemic, um, you know, and, and uh, given the, the port situation, that's pretty good news. Everybody tries to read the tea leaves on China, what they're going to do, what they're going to buy. From a pork situation perspective, where are they with African swine fever, and what do you see from them as a market for U.S. pork? Well, I, th- you know, I think the big issue is geopolitical. And 
how are U.S.-China relations going to shake out going forward? Um, as a purely economic matter, that's the biggest pork-consuming market in the world. And we're, you know, we're, we're, when you talk about supplying safe, high-quality pork in large volumes, you're talking about the United States of America. So, you know, as an economic matter, we should be selling a lot of pork for many years to come. The wild card here is what are the relations going to be like between the two nations? And, of course, we're cheering heartily for scaling down this trade war. You know, as, as much pork as we've sold the past few years into China, you know, largely because of ASF, um, we've lost a lot of value. We, we're, we're not recouping the value we should be because of the trade war and because of these punitive tariffs. So most of the world right now has got a uh, selling pork at an 8% tariff in China. We're 33%. Wow. At one point, we were over 70%. So it's really incredible that we've been able to, to move as much pork to China as we, we have. Again, that's largely a function of ASF. And, uh, you know, it's a top priority of National Pork Producers Council to get those tariffs reduced. But again, we're part of something, you know, that uh, soybeans and other sectors of agriculture and other parts of the economy. And that's the, geo the trade war and the geopolitics. So it's, it's tough to navigate. And we really don't know yet how this relationship between the Biden administration and China is going to play out. Uh, we're not hearing much about it, just starting to a little bit, some early talks. So we don't know. No, we, we don't. And I, I think some people are surprised that the Biden administration, you know, didn't depart significantly from the policies of the Trump administration. But it, it is what it is. Now, having said that, as important as it is for us to get those punitive tariffs off in China, you know, we're not a one-note Johnny. And... Um, we may kind of be talking to ourselves, but we keep talking about the U.S. going back into TPP or what's now called CPTPP. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this is I, I think I can make an argument that the pork industry is more disadvantaged than any sector of the economy, not just an ag, any sector. Um, we got to We got to export and we are very competitive and the irony here is the deal that we worked so hard on uh, in the Obama administration, so closely with our trade officials, um, you know, and sometimes we were arm wrestling with our own trade officials, but when all was said and done, we got a phenomenal deal for pork. And now the irony is we got to sit by and watch our trading partners get the benefit of the deal. And the EU basically got from Vietnam and other TPP countries the deal, you know, that we negotiated, which, of course, Canada and Mexico are getting. So it's taken the, the sheen off. We just had a big victory in Vietnam, and it's good. And I don't, I, I don't want to minimize it. We worked hard. So when TPP went away, right, we worked with the Trump administration on some bilateral pork initiatives, Philippines, where we've got more access, success. Mm -hmm. Vietnam, um, and we just had a success. Vice President Harris was there. Pork was at the top of the list. We just had a formal announcement. On July 1st, the tariff on pork in Vietnam goes from 15% to 10%. Here's the rub, and that's good, and we're grateful. Here's the rub. <laughs> Our CPTPP competitors in the European Union are at 7.5%, and they're going to continue to scale down year after year. So it's just one small example of how we got to get back in the game. And thank goodness, in the last administration, we, when the president pulled this out, I, the first thing I did in January 2016, uh, 2017 was I got on a plane and went to Japan. And because uh, we knew, okay, we're at a TPP, we got to have a bilateral deal with Japan. We were already starting to lose sales there. So thank goodness that happened. I guess it could be worse. Yeah. We're, we appreciate, you know, this new market access we got in Vietnam. Don't get me wrong. We're very appreciative to this administration uh, for doing that. But we really, our big ask is we got to get back into CPTPP. Why are we not hearing more about Trade Promotion Authority? Well, I look, I, you know, trade has become a 
uh, difficult word with a lot of the American public. You know, both Republicans and Democrats and globalization, and there's a lot of concern. You know, for us in ag, it's really straightforward. And we're really productive, and most of us are export-oriented, and we got to have these trade deals. But I think, you know, right or wrong, there's a feeling out there that the average American has been left behind, that globalization hasn't been good. And, I, you know, I, I guess I, my takeaway from all this is, look, we, these things aren't mutually exclusive. And I go back to the NAFTA renegotiation and USMCA. And we had a very strong bipartisan outcome. In fact, we had a majority of the Democratic caucus support the deal. Right. So, I, you know, I, I think, I, I, you know, I, I think if for no other reason than geopolitical, the U.S. has got to go back in the CPTPP. And I think it's positive that, uh, you know, our, our, we have high-ranking trade officials over in Asia now talking about an Indo-Pacific trade framework. That's all good. We welcome that. But, you know, our hope is, and I know it's shared by many others in ag and, and many others across the spectrum of the economy, we got to get back into CPTPP. That's got to be part of this. So it, for, as far as national pork producers are concerned, that can't happen fast enough. Priority one, right? Uh, on trade, absolutely. Yeah, on trade, yeah. You know, getting the China, punitive China tariffs off and getting into CPTPP, absolutely. Nick, always good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. We'll see what happens. It seems like trade has just been on the back burner so far in this first year with this administration. We'll see if things change in the coming year. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, Mike. Nick Giordano, Vice President, Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Well, I tell you someone else, another segment of agriculture waiting and wanting to see what's going to happen uh, from this administration. That is the biofuels industry. Still waiting for EPA to release uh, RVO levels. Uh, concerns. Uh, is the Biden administration going to back off or allow refineries, oil refineries, to uh, get around and get out of their requirements, uh, their obligations under the renewable fuel standard and bl blend fewer gallons of renewable fuels is that going to happen biofuels industry very concerned about that we're going to talk about that next with jeff cooper president and ceo of the renewable fuels association as we continue our broadcast from here in kansas city at the national association of farm broadcasting convention stay with us this is aoa AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return, and success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer. Let's Talk isn't just an invitation. It's how we do business. Our experts at FS AgriFinance believe that a meaningful conversation is the best way to help our customers reach their financial goals. We'll show you how to use financing as a risk management tool to help spread your costs and manage your cash flow. We know agriculture and are focused on what's ahead to make sure you're ready for it. Talk with your FS AgriFinance specialist at your local FS member company today. FS, bringing you what's next. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. The EIA reported ethanol producers averaged 1.06 million barrels of production per day through the week ending 11-12. That was back up from the 1.039 million barrels of production per day last week, but not a record. Stocks were 205,000 barrels tighter for the week at 20.081 million. On the Board of Trade this morning, December corn trading 6.5 cent higher at 581 and three quarters. The March contract up 
six and three quarters at five eighty eight and a half cent. For soybeans, the January contract up eight and three quarters at twelve eighty five and three quarters. The March contract up eight and a half cent at twelve ninety six and a half cent. For wheat, Chicago wheat December up twenty at eight forty two and a fraction of a cent. Kansas City wheat December up fourteen and three quarters at eight forty nine. Minneapolis spring wheat December up fifteen and a fraction at ten forty two and a fraction of a cent. The March contract up sixteen and a half cent at ten forty seven. For livestock traders purchased a lot of cattle last week with next week running reduced numbers due to the holiday. There is a cattle on feed report to look forward to on Friday. Box beef has been weakening with choice down three dollars and sixty six cents and select down two dollars and fifty three cents Wednesday. The estimate for placements in the cattle on feed report is one hundred and two point two percent of a year ago. Marketings are estimated at ninety six point three percent with on feed numbers ninety nine point eight percent of a year ago. December live cattle trading 60 cents higher at 132.82. The February contract up 85 at 137.25. For feeder cattle, the March contract up 52 at 161.62. The January contract trading 75 cents higher at 159.67. In lean hogs, the December contract trading 97 cents lower at 75.20. The February contract up a nickel at 83.20. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, here in Kansas City, we're talking with Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, thanks for joining us, and we've got some kind of breaking news right now, don't we? We do, Mike. We're hearing this morning that uh, EPA will soon be announcing, and and it may have already happened, uh, that they're going to be extending the deadline for refiners to demonstrate compliance with the Renewable Fuel Standard for 2019 and 2020. So, you know, we, we still have uh, a, a handful of refiners that have not shown EPA that they complied with their legal obligations to blend renewable fuels uh, for 2019 and 2020. And, and now EPA is kicking the can and letting them, you know, letting them off the hook for an indefinite amount of time. Uh, you know, and at the same time, we still don't have 2021 and 2022 proposals out. So uh, chaos and confusion and uncertainty continues to reign at EPA when it comes to the RFS program. And that's a huge frustration for us. We really thought things were gonna be different under this administration. You were hoping for some clarity and quite frankly, that they would follow the law and and neither has come about so far. Well, so, so far it hasn't. And, and there are legal deadlines for EPA to issue these rulemakings that establish the volume requirements for the following year. They have blown those deadlines. Uh, they have, you know, arbitrarily extended the compliance deadlines for these refiners. Uh, they, you know, we still don't know exactly what volumes they're going to be proposing for. Uh, so it's it's been a real uh, headache for us. And again, we thought, based on what we heard during the, uh, President Biden's campaign and what we heard from Administrator Regan when he was being confirmed, and, and frankly, from some of the early actions we saw from EPA, we really thought uh, this administration 
would be more responsible in their implementation of the RFS program, and so far we just have not seen that. Yeah, it's cross-political aisles. We've seen it with uh, both parties in power. Yep. Same thing. Now, you and I have talked about this. It, this is hard to figure out. At a time when, if you're concerned about fuel supply in this country, uh, because we've got the administration asking OPEC for more oil and things like that, which is hard to believe, too. But if you're really concerned about supply, why would you do anything to lessen obligations to use renewable fuels? You should be expanding and growing the use of them, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And that was our message in a letter that we sent to the White House on Monday afternoon, uh, because we'd been hearing and reading some reports that uh, some of President Biden's key advisors, of course, are looking at ways to reduce gas prices, and they you know, they know that voters are are not responding well to the high you know pain at the pump. Uh, and we're hearing that one of the options they're actually considering or talking about is lowering the blending requirements under the RFS as a way to supposedly address gas prices. Um, so we disavowed them of of that ridiculous notion and said, look, if you if you reduce the amount of renewable fuels that are being blended, the impact is, is going to be that Higher it price. increases gas prices. When you're shrinking the available supply of something, the response is going to be that the price goes up. So uh, we clearly have some work to do and some, some myths to uh, correct with this administration. Talking with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, I mentioned this asking OPEC for more oil or, or other countries. We've spent so many years to achieve energy independence, and biofuels helped us get there. How, what's it, when you hear things like that, what's your reaction? I mean, it has to be extremely frustrating for you. Oh, oh it is. I mean, I, we, you and I have been around this industry for a long time. You know that one of the founding pillars of this industry was to help our industry reduce its reliance on foreign sources of energy, uh, specifically crude oil imports. Uh, from OPEC nations mm -hmm. and, and from the Middle East. We were hugely successful in doing that. Uh, we today are, are producing more than a million barrels a day of ethanol domestically, and that is extending our, our domestic fuel supply. Uh, it has reduced the need for oil imports. And so when we hear President Biden and his national security advisor suggesting that OPEC pump more oil, to help bring down uh, gas prices here in the U.S., it, it causes us to bang our heads against the wall. Uh, we, I mean, they're, they're right that extending supply, adding supply will help prices come down, but let's extend supplies using domestic resources um, that, by the way, help reduce emissions uh, and are cleaner and lower cost than petroleum, and, and that should fit right in with some of this administration's stated goals as well. Yeah, their stated goals reduce carbon but they, it seems to think the only way you can do that is go to electric vehicles and ignore the fact that you could do it with fossil fuels by using more biofuel, right? Absolutely. Today's ethanol, average run-of-the-mill corn ethanol, is reducing greenhouse gas emissions by about 50% compared to gasoline. Uh, that, that's huge. That's a significant reduction. And you know, the, more, the more ethanol you put in your gas tank, the more of that reduction you're able to, to, to capture. Uh, so if we moved immediately to E15 and then quickly on to, to blends like E30, uh, we would be getting the same sort of carbon reduction uh, that this administration thinks they can only get from electric vehicles. And, and we know that's not the case, especially when you consider where the electricity is coming from to, to, to uh, you know, charge some of these vehicles. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's hugely frustrating that we've got a solution that is right here in front of us, uh, and this administration seems to be looking past it. And, and we saw that, you know, in Scotland during the big climate conference uh, the last two weeks. We think the administration really missed an opportunity to showcase and highlight the great things that are happening with renewable fuels here in the U.S. We are the world leader in the production and use of renewable fuels, and they hardly even talked about it in, in Scotland. Tell us again about uh, your pledge, the industry's pledge, uh, to reduce carbon emissions in the production of ethanol. Yeah, and that's that's the other exciting thing that, that we think is just not getting enough attention. I mentioned we're already reducing emissions by 50% mm -hmm. compared to gasoline. Uh, we see a pathway where uh, corn ethanol can be reducing emissions by 100% compared to gasoline, meaning net zero emissions, a, a zero carbon footprint 
uh, for corn ethanol. If we adopt technologies like carbon capture and sequestration, if we do a better job of recognizing uh, the carbon benefits of certain farming practices, um, you know, and, and recognize the benefits of, of certain tillage practices and things like that, we absolutely see a pathway to, you know, net zero carbon corn ethanol. And so if you're putting that in a flex fuel vehicle, for instance, um, it is outperforming an electric vehicle in terms of its carbon impact and, and performance. But it seems like their minds are already set, are already made up. It has to be electric vehicles. It, it does feel that way, and it's it's been uh, very frustrating for us. We have reminded the administration many times that, you know, keep your eye on the ball here. If, if the goal is to reduce carbon emissions, don't dictate how you do that. Um, put the right policy in place and put the right signals out there and then step out of the way and let the market figure out the best way, the lowest cost way, the fastest way to reduce emissions from the transportation sector. And we're pretty confident that would be uh, through the use of, of higher blends of ethanol. Where are we on exports? Are we seeing any pickup in all ethanol exports? You know, un unfortunately, it's, that's one area that's that's been kind of stagnant uh, mm -hmm. for our industry this past year. Uh, we do continue to have barriers uh, to some of our, you know, some markets that were huge export markets for us in the past. Brazil is virtually closed mm -hmm. today. We're not sending much product at all to Brazil because they have a punitive tariff in place to protect their own industry. Uh, and, and China is another market that a few years ago was, was a huge market for our exports. We are getting some in there, but not a lot of ethanol going to China, again, because they put a tariff in place on U.S. ethanol imports. So uh, we have our challenges on the trade front. We are working with our friends at uh, USDA and, and USTR to try and address those. Um, you know, and, and again, we look at a place like India where they're talking about moving to E20 nationwide. Uh, they know they can't satisfy that sort of demand with their own industry right. they they want to establish a trade partnership with us so uh, there are some great opportunities out there but we got a lot of work to do to, to really establish those all these challenges but still we're seeing ethanol plants now aggressively buying corn yep. uh, which is supporting the corn market right now yeah Mike I mean it's it's been amazing that amidst all this uncertainty and all this confusion and, and all the mess in DC around policy, uh, we are seeing very strong market fundamentals for ethanol right now. We're seeing production at near record levels, um, and, and we're seeing you know demand really bounce back uh, and, and seeing very strong ethanol demand domestically um, you know, this fall and, and heading into the winter. And, and that's obviously been great for our industry. It's been great for margins. It's, it's really helping producers get healthy after a couple really tough years of, of uh, with negative margins and, and uh, you know, very challenging profitability. Keep up the good work. All right, Mike. Thanks for having me. You bet. That's Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, as we talk here in Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at the uh, outlook for the uh, livestock sector. We're going to talk with the senior animal protein analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Don Close will be joining us next, get his outlook on the cattle market, look at this, uh, the whole supply chain issues. We try to move product. The demand for meat is very good all around the world. We keep getting those strong export numbers, but the challenge is getting that product moved. So that's coming up. We'll be talking about that next. So stay with us. You're listening to AOA from Kansas City, the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. More coming up in just a moment. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. 
The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return, and success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer. Egg retailers, co-ops, and custom applicators have enormous productivity requirements. With thousands of acres of fertilizer to apply in a short window of time, they don't have time to make mistakes in the field. Intelligent Ag's Recon SpreadSense is the first ag technology that monitors the flow of product on floaters. The technology identifies flow issues to avoid streaks in the field that can hurt yield potential. Reduce the risk of misapplication by investing in Recon SpreadSense. Never doubt what you're putting out. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. As you wrap up harvest and prepare for the 2022 season, get a jump start by attending the DTN Ag Summit. This in-person event will be held December 5th through the 7th in Chicago at the Fairmont Hotel. Learn from agricultural thought leaders, including Ambassador Terry Branstad and John Deere lead economist Galia Barr, and much, much more. Register before November 25th to save $100 off registration. Get your tickets today at dtn.com backslash agsummit. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. 
Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we wrap things up today here in Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention, talking things over with Don Close, Senior Animal Protein Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Don, thank you for joining us. We keep uh, talking about the strong meat export numbers. The demand, obviously, globally is very strong. Do you see that continuing into 2022? Absolutely. Uh, we're, our expectations are we will see growth in the beef exports to China in 2022 of another 2 to 4 uh, percent. The whole Pacific Rim, we think the stability of trade with, with Japan, we're continuing to see growth with South Korea, and then China, that's, that's clearly going to continue to be the hub of the growth. Do the supply chain issues hurt our credibility as a reliable supplier? It's most certainly a risk. Uh, I think the I think we have the luxury of twofold. Misery loves company that everybody's having the same mm-hmm. problem. So you so there's some latitude there, but it's also it, it, we're still even with the port backups where they are today, we're still the most reliable shipper out there. So yeah, it's not just our problem. It's it's a global problem. I was I was at an MEF meeting last week, and I had several people in there, the experts in the whole transportation area, and and they were talking. You know, you can't fix one component of this. The whole system needs revamped, and I, I think that's not true just in the U.S. but but globally. What is your uh, cattle market outlook for next year? We're we're very optimistic. Uh, our average price outlook for the year for fed cattle is 140, and which which I think is, is very aggressive. So, you know, we're going to have to see prices in those high 40s, even to the 150 level for a spring high, if we're going to see that kind of annual average. If you look at the distribution of cattle and the contraction of supply, we will should be seeing through the second half of 2022. I think we. Could be buffered for just how much pressure we're under in that July, summer low, July August. So that will that will help our our average as well. But uh, overall, we think you know we're looking at uh, as I say a very very positive outlook. And tur as we slowly get back towards an equilibrium in the market, that's going to enable us to see yearling prices in the high 170s to 180 level. And we're talking range on calf prices for next year in that 190 to 210 level. So finally seeing that help we've been looking for. As we continue to come through the pandemic mm-hmm. and the changes that we're seeing in, in all of our lives in so many different ways, we've seen different patterns about eating out, eating at home, things like that. Mm-hmm. How do you see that impacting protein demand moving forward? Well, clearly so far it's been phenomenal. Now, with the the 5.8% inflation rate that we saw in September, the 6.2% we saw in October, I think there's a level of uneasiness Mm -hmm. with consumers that that will have an impact. I was looking at the University of of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index earlier this week, and clearly that consumer confidence is down. But where I'm trying to go with this is, you know, to see... The 740 all beef price, 780 choice. Could we see prices back off some? Yeah. But if you look at the contracting supply, the export demand we've already talked about, our view is these retail prices are going to hold very close to where we're at today. And that's what's generating the, the cash flow to support the whole beef network and get higher prices back to the farm. Okay, so this is interesting because historically we have seen in inflationary times higher prices, consumers backing away from uh, the higher in, higher cuts of beef, right? That's what tradition said. They look for the lower yeah. price one. So do you see something different uh, in today's dynamic or not? I don't think it's going to be radically different. We're, what we do argue is we think beef demand is actually very stable but what we will see as those times when consumers back off is they will start to ratchet down of which beef items they buy so through the the stay-at-home pandemic 
you know, demand for high-end metal meats has been phenomenal. But could we see, see you know, that trend down? We're still seeing incredible demand for ground beef. So mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say we, we're not going to slow down, but <laughs> underlying demand still very good. And has been for some time now, yes, hasn't it, has. it? Yes, it has. This Historically, is this a longer run than we usually see for this? Or? It, it has, yes. But it's also been the demand base, the disruption in the market, the, as you said, the, the escalation in meals at home right. and what that means for cooking skills. And Mike, in the 40 years I've been doing this, I've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. So stronger cattle prices, um, those, those in the cattle business are also going to be looking at higher feed costs for some time too, right? So that's the other part of the equation. Absolutely. And, there, you know, the, the thing I, I'm personally looking at, if you look at the strength we're seeing in basis levels this soon after harvest, I think with the outlook there, the, the uncertainty from the input prices, once this crop gets under roof, you know, I think it's going to take a pickaxe to pry it away from these farmers. So I think that's creating an undercurrent. The other thing with, with input prices where they're at, um, this unbelievable demand for oil of all types, I think that battle for acres for the new crop between now and that March-May period is going to preserve a lot of loft in the future market. So cash and future both strong. Going to be interesting, that's for sure. Don, good to talk with you Always again. Thank, good, you. Mike. Thank you. That's Don Close, Senior Animal Protein Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. As we wrap it up for today here at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City, back with more tomorrow's. We'll wrap up our coverage. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return, and success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer.